For this episode of Brewstilled, I'm joined by Enrique Ensambo from Quatza Brewing, a new brewery soon opened up in Old Town Elk Grove here in California. Please join me as I talk with Enrique Ensambo from Quatza Brewing. But first, let us begin. Cheers, everybody. Welcome to Brewstilled. I'm here with Brandon, and for this episode of Brewstilled, I am joined by Enrique and Zambo from Quatza Brewing, a new brewery scheduled to open in Old Town Elk Grove, California. For this guest interview, I speak with Enrique and Zambo about opening a brewery, craft beer styles, what patrons can look forward to at Quatza Brewing, and more. So grab a beer and tune in my talk with Enrique and Zambo from Quatza Brewing. Here we go, folks. Enjoy. So I'm joined here by Zambo and Enrique from Quatza brewing company how are you both today doing great thank you for joining me so my first question is what is the inspiration for quatza brewing well i mean it's a few parts on that the inspiration uh if we're talking about the brewery or the name the name quatza is short for quatzacualcos which is a city in veracruz mexico where my parents and my grandparents were all born and it means uh city of the snakes or where the snakes dwell which is why i've added the uh, the snake godhead to my logo but uh you know i just coming up with names is always one of the hardest things when you're branding something and uh that's what i ended up coming up with uh after a few tries of some mayan i was trying to go for mayan or uh aztec type themes because of my bloodline and i ended up going with just the name of where uh my parents were born what was the inspiration for you both to get into the craft beer industry me personally it was probably about 10 well no no closer to 15 years really uh when sam adams brought out that winter uh pack which was totally weird to me and we accidentally got it and it had had a bunch of dark beers in there, porters and stouts. And it was a real different thing from someone that is known to just drink light beers, Mexican beers, you know, the typical hot construction type beer. When we had that on the winter, that totally changed our palate. And then we started going down a rabbit hole of uh, different types of beer. I mean, today I can't drink any of those Sam Adams because they're just way too sweet. But everybody starts somewhere. And that's where my wife and I started. Yeah, In our younger days, we definitely like uh, sweeter stuff. The bitter is not as uh, attractive to us. I, my my uh, story is not that different. I had just come back from uh, visiting my sister in England and had some real pub ales there. They had so much more flavor than the the cheap American lagers that uh, you know are the first ones that your dad has you taste and you go, oh, that's not for me. So a lot more flavor there. So I started home brewing after college. I did a lot of business travel and visited uh, breweries and brew pubs around the country, and they all had one thing in common. You know, good people just talking about craft beer. They all came from different vocations and had different daily routines, but they all ended up in the same place. And it was just such a friendly environment. And so I've always equated that directly with craft beer, meaning community or family. So, um, I mean, I was sold. I, I didn't want to start at entry level in a new industry. So I went to Siebel Institute, you know, kind of sped through the process, but uh, I've been a commercial brewer ever since. When it comes to home brewing, what was the first beer you brewed and what was the style? Uh, it was an English pub ale, actually. It was a kit that was fairly instant and it uh you know did all the work for me and then i got a little cocky and i got a lager and it was just god awful <laughs> yeah it was oxidized i did a terrible job on it so that's when i realized i had a lot more learning to do even though you know i was going to georgia tech i'm already a science guy and all this but there's so much more art that goes into it than science when you when you get deep down into the process uh so yeah had a lot to learn and i did and speaking of the brewing process now it's a question you should ask brewers when i have them here in a podcast and that is you know speaking of the art and science aspect of that is there 
there one that's more dominant than the other, or does that depend on the beer style? Uh, yeah, it depends on the beer style, but I like to think it's 50-50 on almost all of them. I mean, if you're doing a light lager you've been doing for 15 years, I mean, the art of it's already gone. You're pretty much onto the science side, making sure you hit the numbers. But, you know, the next day you might be adding some fruit to it or oak aging it or doing something different. And that's where you have to think more like a chef, more uh, artisan, uh, and then incorporate the science to make sure you don't blow it. And um, also now with, you know, water, barley, yeast, and hops being like the primary beer ingredients, is there one that's more dominant than the other in the brewing process or do they all play their own equal role? Uh, well, I mean, they do work together like a symphony. Uh, of course, in the end, you want everything to be in harmony. Uh, occasionally, there's some solos in the symphony and that can happen if you want a, uh, a super aromatic beer or a very dry, light beer for hot days. Um, so it really depends on the balance you're looking for. But I think one aspect that many people miss is the water, believe it or not, because beers are over 90% of it's the water you're, you're brewing with. People who don't treat their water, the first thing that comes through is chlorine, which can become a compound called chloramine. And it's just a chemical flavor. And, you know, if you've ever been to a homebrew club party and the new guy brought some of his beers, you probably get a little bit of that in there. So yeah, water chemistry is important. We actually have a reverse osmosis system here. So we can start with neutral water and emulate the water from anywhere in the world. That is a privilege I've had uh, at only one other brewery. And it, it helps a lot because you don't have to spend all your time correcting water. Instead, you're just building your water profile. Yeah, it's written about water and the usage of water and beer to influence a place. So Einstock Brewing out of Iceland using glacier water and also seeing that from craft beer out of Alaska to show the influence of water has in beer. It's, it's really amazing. Yeah, the scary thing about that is some of that water has been frozen for a million years, so you don't know what's coming out of it. I mean, it's all melting now and it's going into the oceans and they're discovering things that uh, didn't exist before. So yeah, we'll see what happens there. What's a day in life like for the planning of the opening for Quatsa Brewing? That's uh, quite the headache. <laughs> you know, if uh, if we didn't have to deal with uh, city permits and city uh, licensing and everything, I mean, they're, they're, I really don't understand why it takes so long, but that's probably the biggest headache when it comes to this. Designing and putting something together really comes down to uh, first branding, right? You got to figure out what your brand's going to be. And then everything falls under that umbrella. You know, once uh, Zambo gets cooking and uh, making all the beers, the inspiration's going to be there with Zambo because of the branding that we've started, right? So now he's always uh, thinking of names that we're going to use that are associated with not just the brewery, but here in Old Town, uh, where we're at in Elk Grove. So um, it's uh, it's pretty fun too. I mean, this is a, it's a, a great venture. Brewing beer is one of those things that, uh, you know, everybody in town loves. They want to see the new thing that's coming out. And right now we're going to be one of the newest in town and, you know, it's going to be exciting for everybody. We just got to change it up a little. We've got to make it fun. So uh, I don't brew beer, but I love to drink beer. So I'm going to focus my end on the front side of the business. I'm a salesman. So my face will be at the front of the building all the time, you know, with the customers and pushing all the amazing stuff that Zambo's going to make. So putting it all together, you know, it's a uh, family effort. I've got a business partner, Hendrik uh, Crowell, that's a um, an attorney and has his own law firm. He, him, him and I are partners in this uh, venture here. And, uh, you know, he's also a huge beer guy, which is why he got excited about this whole uh, process. But yeah, like like you were asking, uh, the ins and outs of this, I come from a, uh, I'm a general contractor. So construction is my background and the facelift just comes easy to me. Every 
everything in the construction aspect, repairing, fixing, changing, that's all easy for me. So I think I've uh, I've got a pretty awesome team together. Now that Zambo's uh, joined up with us and doing this, you know, it's like, our heads are very aligned with this uh, project. So like you asked, I'm more focused on the front side. And then Zambos, you know, that's my chef back there. You know, he's the guy creating all the good stuff. Now, I read online about, um, you know, Mayan beer styles. I read a line about a Mayan beer you guys plan to brew for Quetzal Brewing. Uh, do you have any details on that, what that could be? So back then, the beers were all ales, basically, which means uh, fermented a little warmer. Uh, they're going to have more fruity notes to it. Uh, also, indigenous beers always incorporate the local ingredients because there wasn't as much trade back then. So maize, of course, is a, a very com- commonly known ingredient. Corn grew wild uh, all over here in North and South America. So there'll be corn in it, which helps lighten the body and sets the stage for the other ingredients, which in the case of uh, the Mayan culture, commonly use cacao or chocolate, as some would call it, uh, and uh, peppers. Now, they generally made them pretty spicy. Uh, we might make a spicy version for the ones that really want to taste what the Mayans taste, but we also have to make one that that our customers want to buy a lot. <laughs> so we'll do some more savory peppers in one version, and then we'll do a, a spicy version for the tough guys. Was it hard to find a recipes for these beers, given how far they go back? Well, thanks to the interweb, uh, there's a lot more available out there. I would like to do more research. Uh, Enrique actually knows a person who's a specialist in uh, a historian in the Mexico City area who we're going to discuss a little bit with. Um, I did an indigenous Egyptian beer before and was lucky to be able to use the research that was already done by Sam Clagione for Dogfish Head, and um, it, which it came out great. I got a gold medal. So it, it is basically a honey wheat beer, but it used emmer wheat, which was indigenous there. So having a professor, you know, helps a lot because not all of this has been put out on the internet. Not as many people have been studying such ancient cultures. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that meeting. Along with Mayan beer styles, what can patrons look forward to at Quatsa Brewing in terms of craft beer styles, in terms of types of beers and their names? Well, we're going to have some light beer. I moved here and it was 106 degrees. <laughs> so we're going to definitely have some light beer. We're going to do some lagers initially, and then we'll see if we can keep up because as you know, lagers take twice as long to ferment as ales. Um, but we can do light ales too. But we're also going to do some creative, uh, well, some classics styles, of course, IPA, hazy, double IPA, uh, a red that we're going to call stuck at the tracks because when the train goes by here, the line goes all the way past Quasa. <laughs> um, but uh, we do plan on some fruited beers that are going to emulate some some Hispanic cultural cuisine. Um, we may even do some food and beer pairings at some local places. I am a certified Cicerone, so that is something I love to do. And people really enjoy learning about pairings and, and trying them all together. Um, but yeah, we're I mean, we can brew anything we want here. And what's important is that we brew what our customers want because they are what built the craft beer industry and why it exists. So we're going to do, we're going to challenge them a little, we're going to teach them a little, and we're also going to make them happy. You know, speaking of food and beer parents, it's a really fascinating topic because I really get into food and beer parents. I went to one over Flatland about a year ago, uh, food and beer dinners, and just seeing how the food and beer go together now, how, what impact does it have in the flavor of the beer and also the food is paired with? Like how do those flavors offset each other and how do they change the perspective? 
perspective of how you taste that beer and also the food it's with. Yes. Uh, well, when you're pairing, you're looking for both complement and contrast. So, you know, it takes a little thinking uh, inside and outside of the box to come up with pairings. Uh, one of the ways I've done them is don't necessarily, uh, if I'm actually working with the chef, I try to don't bring the food and the beer out at the same time because, first of all, people eat at different rates and they drink beer at different rates. I like to uh, kind of straddle them so that you get to taste the same beer with two different cuisines and two different foods, two different beers with the same, so that you can taste that there is a difference when you go back and forth. Because let's say, for example, you have a very bitter beer, it's going to kill all the bitterness on your tongue. And so if you had a bitter food, you're going to taste more of the sweetness, like let's say arugula, you know, a salad with some bitter escarole or some some other kind of bitterness to it. So yeah, it's about complementing and contrasting. Um, you know, if you're going to have a heavy, hearty dish, you want something light and bubbly to cut through that in your mouth. Um, but it also has to stand up to it. You know, it can't just drink like water. Going back to the marketing perspective, and I was at the California Craft Beer Summit, they were talking about how to market to younger drinkers, talking about younger drinkers, preferring more seltzers or ciders, maybe lighter ABV beers. Um, how, how, from a branded perspective, what is something that you guys notice in terms of uh, how to brand a, a new brewery in a changing environment? So, well, that has a lot to do with the research of uh, going around town and knowing your town. You got you got to know who you're serving, right? Uh, one of the things that I'm focusing on is uh, Zambo's going to brew our own uh, root beer, right? And uh, my plan is to get Gunther's ice cream in there and get root beer floats for the kids. And, you know, we're all kids. It, who doesn't love a uh, root beer float, right? You know that and beer floats, which are pretty big. Uh, the other part is uh, I've got kids. I've gone to breweries and uh, sometimes my kids are like, no, we don't want to go there. Why? Because they get bored there. So what am I doing? I'm filling the back with a bunch of arcades. I'm going to start arcade tournaments. So, you know, if this place is going to be somewhere where you go, I guarantee you the kids are going to say, yep, I want to go with dad or I want to go with mom. Yes, we want to go. So I'm bringing everybody to this place and making it so that uh, you drive by and you don't know the town, you're going to want to pop in and see what's going on. We're going to carry uh, food uh, from the time we open to the time we close because number one thing that I saw is customers coming in, ask if they got food. And if there's no food, they'll say, okay, well, we'll go eat and then we'll come back. The moment the customer walks out that door, they're not coming back because they're going to find beer right next to their food. So I'm not going to let that happen. So customers need to come in and know that we have everything that they need. So far as uh, we're even going to create something for our four-legged friends because people want to come and bring their dogs in. We might do something um, besides, you know, little snacks or whatever, but a take on the uh, puppuccinos that are popular for the pups, you know? So we're working on that still and in, in, uh, talking, but but the idea is, yeah, make this place fun for everyone. Now, so far, what has been the biggest lesson learned about the California craft beer industry and also here in Sacramento by opening up a new brewery in Sacramento, which has become an emerging craft beer region? I think it's uh, picking the right beer to open up, you know, and it's uh, like Zambo said earlier, uh, we have to have things that everybody drinks. You know, being here in Old Town, we're just not Sacramento, right? I mean, we're uh, we're in, you know, we're we're in the blue collar country part of our, our town, you know, and we got the good old boys and they're not going to drink just any type of craft beer. So we have to have those amazing, fresh, after work, cool off beers. So I think that's one of the things that we're uh, thinking about and what needs to happen when we open is making sure that we have what we need for our customers locally. And also in terms of glassware, is glassware going to play a critical role in terms of the beer that goes with that particular glassware, depending on the beer style? Uh, yeah, we're still uh, looking through glassware. You know, it's nice to go to a, like a Belgian restaurant and they have 17 types of glass 
glasses, but that's just not realistic for a brew pub situation. In fact, all that nice glassware has a tendency to walk out the door. But uh, we are going to have a, a selection of different glasses that will be appropriate for all the different styles, definitely. Uh, yeah, we're still uh, looking through glassware. You know, it's nice to go to a, like a Belgian restaurant and they have 17 types of glasses, but that's just not realistic for a brew pub situation. In fact, all that nice glassware has a tendency to walk out the door. But uh, we are going to have a, a selection of different glasses that will be appropriate for all the different styles, definitely. And also, you know, another thing too, you know, Sacramento craft beer scene, we got emerging craft beer region here in Sacramento, a lot of great breweries. And also, you know, comparing with, you know, San Francisco, San Diego, uh, where do you guys see the Sacramento craft beer scene going into the future in terms of getting more of a national profile? You know, there's new breweries coming in. Uh, you lost only a few in the last 10 years, uh, even with the, the hard times we had a few years ago. Um, they're all doing it a little bit different, which is nice. Uh, we also host the state fair every year, which brings brewers from around the state. Some of the, the greatest breweries in the nation are in California. So they all come up here and I, I can speak for this myself. I instantly looked up what are all the breweries I can get to in the three days I'm here. And uh, so, you know, that's going to help get some of the Sacra beer, uh, Sacramento beer styles into the heads of other Californians. And then, of course, there's uh, Great American Beer Festival in Denver and World Beer Cup, which travels every year. And we'll be participating in all those and taking some great Sacramento beers out there and getting some uh, national opinions. We do have some amazing craft beer festivals coming soon here to Sacramento, such as California Brewers Festival, Farm to Fort, and Atomos Oktoberfest. Can patrons look forward to seeing Quatsa Brewing at those beer festivals? Yes. So actually, uh, Natomas Oktoberfest, we're lined up to uh, be at that one. And uh, that's one of the first beers that uh, Zam was going to put together for. Now, for a question to ask all my guests, that question is, when you're not at the brewery, what do you do in your free time? And what is a beer that goes with that? <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm still drinking <laughs> when I'm not at the brewery. But... Uh, of course, banquets my number one. That's uh, that's my beer. That's uh, that's what you know. Craft beer is amazing, but you know when I want to uh, zero out and central out and everything, um, I open up my fridge and I've got my course banquet in there, and that's where I that's where I, that's my home. That's my stuff. But yeah, you know, it's like uh, my wife and I are uh, best friends, and she uh, she loves drinking as much as I do. So we love to hang out together all the time and uh, just talk and drink. Yeah, it's pretty similar to us. Uh, we love to grill out. We barbecue barbecue a lot. Uh, I've got a five-year-old boy. We have a giant yard now. He's so excited. So we'll be grilling out there. We'll be having our neighbor Enrique over. We actually live right around the corner from each other. I'm going to have to dedicate a small section of my fridge to Coors Banquet. <laughs> and then I've got the IPA section and of course a kegerator, which is probably going to have a lager on it too. And you know, what's been the toughest beer to make? The toughest beer to brew? Like is there a beer out there that if you can make that beer style, you can make anything? We can make anything. And that's the fun part. I, I'll tell you the trend towards hazy uh, by the way, hazy beers existed before 1834. Lagers even existed. So it just became a popular, you know, rebirth of uh, the IPA to create hazy beers. They are a pain because that haziness comes from proteins and they really clog up your heat exchanger. So you not only have to clean a lot afterwards, but you lose a lot of uh, your recovery. You don't make as much beer because there's so many hops going in at the very end of the boil and they take up space for liquid and they, there's only so far down you can empty your kettle and not draw all that into your, your heat exchanger. So hazies, God bless. I know everyone wants them. We're going to 
going to make them. Um, but if people stop loving them as much and go another direction, I won't be hurt. <laughs> is there a beer site you see probably emergent in the future that might take place of the hazies that might generate more of an interest amongst consumers? Well, I think what's happened is um, people got bittered out. There was kind of a, ooh, what's a clean way to say this? Just a, a mine is bigger than yours competition with bitterness. Um, started with Arrogant Bastard long ago with Stone, and even they have reduced the bitterness of that beer. Um, I think the hazies have shown us that people want the complexity of flavors and aromas that hops have to offer, but without being overpowered by bitterness. So I think even the American IPA is starting to soften up now. People are using Pilsner malts. Some even use adjuncts in them, um, which were more common only to lagers back in the day. And then just doing more late hop additions like we do with hazies so that you can have a bright IPA, bright meaning not hazy, a lot more hop complexity. So I think rather than a new style, uh, maybe they'll give it a new name. Uh, really, a lot of times the naming has to do with competition because the IPA category has long been the biggest category. And when you've got 600 beers to judge and only three get a medal, that's when they start trying to redefine different types of IPAs because um, just to reduce the amount in each category and allow more to stand out. But um, I would say we're going to see more of an evolution of the American uh, West Coast IPA rather than a, a new emergent style. Well, I don't know if uh, Zambo mentioned that he also judges in those two uh, competitions. I do, yes. So round one is the most challenging because you get 12 beers in front of you and you get this much of each and only three get pushed forward and they go through three or four rounds. But when I first started judging over eight years ago, that round one, a lot of the beers were just not good. I mean, first of all, people had to learn how to ship beers. So there's an advantage, a geographic advantage if you're near it, but also they sit for a long time before they get judged and that's rough. Uh, the whole craft beer industry has exploded in the last 10 years, even holding market share while the big guys were suffering during the, the hard economic times in the past few years, it has gotten harder to judge in a good way. Um, there's so many good ones that you're, you know, you can only push three forward and you're like, ah, so you come to a consensus with everyone at the table. And, um, you know, in the end, the medal winners are all good beers, but there are a lot of good beers that they, they don't get medals. And that's just part of competition. And for the beers that win the medals, what stands out amongst those beers that win? Well, we judge to a style description. So it's very, very technical. There is uh, at the end of the judge sheet, a part about overall, what's your, your overall impression. But even if you really loved it, it still has to fit the style guidelines. So you can't put a hazy in a West Coast IPA category and expect to, to win because it'll get tossed just for the fact that it's in the wrong category. Very fascinated indeed. Thank you, Enrique and Zambo for joining me here in Brazil. Thank you for having us. That is my talk with Enrique and Zambo from Quatza Brewing. I'd like to thank Enrique and Zambo for joining me here, Bruce Stilled, to discuss Quatza Brewing. Please do check them out at Atomus Oktoberfest as tickets are still available. And also, definitely do check them out when Quatza Brewing opens, as I definitely know I will. For now, though, that should do it for me in this episode of Bruce Stilled. Please do tell your friends and family about this podcast, and please rate this podcast on your Zard Podcast directory, as feedback is always appreciated. Also, do check out this podcast over on Instagram at Bruce Stilled Podcast podcast over on Instagram. Do stay tuned for future guest interviews, craft beer content, and other topics of interest. And also, please do enjoy some good craft beer, bourbon, whiskey on these summer months. I'm your host, Brandon. Thank you for joining me, and I'll see you all next time. And until then, be brewed, and be the sealed, folks. Cheers. Yeah.